Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here. It's an exciting morning with the Christmas program. The kids are in the hallway ready to show us their program, so let's get started. We will start by please standing, and we'll sing one song together. Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome. Let's see. Glad you're here. Today it's all about the kids. Come on in, kids. Just a few uh, quick announcements in the meantime. First of all, I want to draw your attention to the poinsettias, and I do want to verbally acknowledge from the stage here. Poinsettias are given in remembrance of family members that have left us this year. Beloved family members of Mary Fredrickson and Patty Hawk, Nate Kittleson, and then the whole family members we, we have uh, lost that have gone on and we will be reunited with in the near future. 
down the road sometime. David Breifogel, Kari Dolge, Ellen Haslam, and Clint Jacobson. Now, coming up, I also want to uh, direct you that there is Christmas Eve morning service, which is Sunday morning. So don't, it's a little confusing, but Christmas Eve morning, next Sunday morning, we will do service here at Hope. Nothing on Christmas Day. And with that said, today it is time. Please give it up for the annual Promised Land Christmas Program. Yes. Welcome to Hope Community Church. Christmas is a very busy time brimming of family gatherings and excessive shopping for presents. And it's easy to get wrapped up in the many challenges. At this time, we invite you to forget your trouble and rejoice in our dear Savior's birth in that holy night. Welcome, you feel welcome to sing along with the words that are displayed on the screen. We hope you enjoy this wondrous time. Thank you for coming. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn.
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to man on whom his favor rests. gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A newborn king to see, pa ra pa 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 pa
rum pa pum pum. For the king, pa rum pa pum pum. Rum pa pum pum, rum pa pum pum. So to honor him, pa rum pa pum pum. When we come, baby Jesus, pa rum pa pum pum. I am a poor boy too, pa rum pa pum pum. I have no gifts to bring, pa rum pa pum pum. That's fit to give our King, pa rum pa pum pum, pa pa pum pum, pa pa pum pum. Shall I play for you, pa rum pa pum pum? My drum. Mary nodded, pa rum pa pum pum. The ox and lamb kept time, pa rum pa pum pum. I played my drum for him, pa rum pa pum pum. I played my best for him, pa rum pa pum pum, rum pa pum pum, rum pa pum pum. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After the Magi had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. <coughs> when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother married, and they, Mary, and they bowed down to, and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
Um, for us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. job you guys and all this would be for naught if we didn't have an audience so thank you so much for joining us how many guests do we have here today family members yeah thank you so much for coming to watch the kids the next thank you goes to Jill Staffler come on up Jill <laughs> Jill is this year's director she did. You did a fine job, Jill. Thank you very much. Let me tell you about a few. I know we're about a few of the like last-minute things that directors have to deal with. You might notice that Taylor McCoy was not at the keyboard this morning because she woke up with pink eye. So she was very responsible. She contacted our, one of our worship coordinators, Jesse. Jesse, please stand. We have to acknowledge her because she just stepped in. <laughs> She stepped in very graciously, confidently, even though there was one song she had never heard before. So <laughs> you did a great job, too, this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jill. And then we had a couple other assistants. I just want to thank Lauren. Do you want to stand? And Lily. Come on out, Lily. And Berkeley. Can you stand? And this is our stage manager who handled all our props. This is Berkeley. Thank you, Berkeley. <laughs> Thank you to the parents last for all that you've invested to help make us successful up here for the practicing. I'm sure you've heard these songs many times in your car and at bedtime. Thank you for coming early. Thank you for supporting children's ministry. So, okay, guys. Where's Isaac? Isaac, you get to lead.
these away. One second, we'll turn the service back over to you. You want to lead us out? Okay. Thank you. And Abby did some problem solving this morning, too. Thanks, guys. I forgot to mention you. Once again, welcome, especially to our visitors. It's time for our offering, and at Hope, we would like you, if you're here as a guest, we would like you to just let the bag pass, accept this gift service as a gift from us. Um, we're just very glad you're here. For those who do call Hope home, thank you for your support. Thank you for um, helping us keep doing what God's called us to do. Father, <clears throat> there's so many gifts, but none of them would have meaning without the gift of your son. That he would come in human form to provide a picture of who you are and your open arms toward us. It's just amazing. Help us to remember that. Thank you that we have a place to gather. Thank you for our kids, for the way they reflect your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. The gifts giving season, that's no surprise to any of us. Gifts that are unconditionally guaranteed are, ex- are especially precious. There's nothing more frustrating than a gift that doesn't work as advertised and is unwarranted against the defects that end up cropping up on Christmas morning or in the week following. We're going to look at three gifts that come from God that are unconditionally guaranteed. We're going to look this morning at the gift of reconciliation. To reconcile is literally to change or exchange. And reconciliation is often targeted relationally. And what it means in that context is when a relationship is originally one of friendliness and goodwill, and then it becomes a relationship of opposition and enmity. Something happens to create a rift in the relationship. And what reconciliation means is that the relationship goes back to the way that it was. So it's friendly and peaceful. It becomes troubled. And reconciliation is it goes back to the original state of peace and goodwill. That's what reconciliation means. There's a definition in your sheet in the middle of your worship folder, and what it describes reconciliation as to reconcile is to end a relationship of enmity and to substitute for it one of peace and goodwill. Paul talks about reconciliation, and it's it's not often put in a religious context The reason is the whole idea of a personal relationship with God didn't make much sense to Greeks or to Jews. Jews grew up, and God's name was so holy that you couldn't even say it. In fact, you couldn't say God's name, so the idea of a personal relationship just didn't make much sense to a Jew, neither to a Greek. The gods were off, and therefore, the idea of a relationship with a God just didn't make much sense, and applying reconciliation in a religious context, wasn't done, except Paul did it. He took this word and dusted it off and applied it to what he understood God did in sending Christ. Um, he is kind of uses secular language because sacred language in his time had a hard time describing what God did at the cross. What happened? And that's why Paul uses this word, reconciliation. It lends clarity that words like forgiveness and salvation can't bring. So what happened at the cross? Reconciliation happened at the cross, and it's a gift that God gives. What it says in your worship folder, it Paul talks about reconciliation in Colossians 1. That's what he says. Once you were alienated from God. And were enemies in your minds because, you, because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope 
held out in the gospel. It describes a problem. And here's our problem. Once you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, once you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, it's talking about all of us, our awareness of evil behavior influences our thoughts about God. I want you to listen very carefully. Our awareness of our evil behavior influences our thoughts about God. Not just his thoughts about us, our thoughts about him and about his thoughts about us that we imagine as we think about him. If you think about God thinking about you, what do you think he's thinking about? Instinctively, we tend to think about the things that we've done wrong. And that affects the way we think about God. It affects the way we think about God thinking about us. That's the problem. This awareness comes from within. It's in our minds. And we're aware that we've transgressed God's commands. When we're talking about relationships, the mental image of a person is very impactful. I want you to think about somebody that you are having problems with. I want you to think about that person. You have somebody in mind? Your thoughts about that person impact the relationship that you have with the person. If there's a person that we feel bad blood, our thoughts about that person impact the kind of relationship that we have about them. This is why, by the way, the Bible comes down so hard on gossip. When the Bible talks about gossip, it doesn't just mean passing on untrue things about someone. It means just passing on anything hurtful or demeaning about someone. And here's the reason why. Our thoughts about a person are the currency of relationships. So if I pour some thoughts in your mind about a person, I am affecting your relationship with that. You know what it's like? It's like pouring relational acid into your brain. Those thoughts are going to impact the thoughts you have about the person and the relationship. That's why the Bible really comes down on that type of bad-mouthing of someone. Um, It functions not just horizontally, but vertically as well. Your mental representation of God makes or breaks your relationship with him. Your mental representation of God, what he thinks about you, makes or breaks your relationship with him. Our relationship with God can't exceed our thoughts about him or his view of how he feels about us. That's why the problem stated in the passage is a big problem. Once you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That's a big thing for us. It affects the way we think about him and the way we think about him thinking about us. That's why God did something about it. What did he do? He has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death. Reconciliation, again, 
as you remember what the definition of it, it's to end a relationship of enmity and to substitute for it once of peace, one of peace and goodwill. Reconciliation is something God does on his end. It's something that God does. God is the one who changes the way we think about him. He changes the way we think about him thinking about us. Reconciliation is something God does. He is the one that switches the way we think about him. That's what the Bible speaks of when it speaks about reconciliation. And this is a first. It was a first because religion prior to this time was something that focused on man's initiative and God's response. So if you imagined, and this isn't just way back then, it still is kind of the way many think now. If you think that God's not real thrilled with you, what we tend to do is we tend to think, well, i got to do something. And if I initiate something, I can get God to change the way he thinks. And for some of us, if it's maybe if I put a little more money in the offering plate, and if I initiate that, God will look at it and say, well, okay then. I feel a little bit better about you because you did. Or maybe if we go to church a little bit more. We change the way we do this and do that. We tend to believe that we initiate. God sees our initiative, and he responds by saying, okay then. And that's the way we tend to think about reconciliation, but a relationship, but reconciliation turns this concept on its head. God initiates. He's the one that takes the first step. And we respond. Human action, even repentance from the Bible, is not a work of man to bring about a change in the way God thinks but it's a work of God to bring about a change in the way we think. Because the way we think about him makes or breaks our relationship with him. And so reconciliation is God taking the step to change the way we think about him thinking about us. That's what reconciliation is. And it's something that God does. Not only something God does and finishes halfway, when God does a job, he finishes it. So reconciliation is God laying the groundwork, putting in place that which completely, it has the ability to change the way we think about him. Okay, and God does it. What's our part? Can we just sit back? No, our part, that's what's, Great about reconciliation. I'll tell you what, imagine we had a decent relationship and then something happened between us. Something happened. And so now imagine you and I are on the, are on the outs. And I decide, you know what, enough of this. I'm going to bury the hatchet. And if I write you a letter in which I state, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm sorry for it. Let's, let's try to mend the fence here. Now, if I give this letter to you, I am taking the step to reconcile the relationship, right? What's your job? What's your job? To read it and believe it. 
If you don't read this letter, is our relationship reconciled? Now, it isn't because you're still thinking the same way about me, right? You have no idea that I've changed. Therefore, your responsibility in this thing, I write the letter, I initiate it, your responsibility is to take this thing, to look at it, and to believe it. Now, if you read this and believe it, does it change our relationship? Yeah, it does. It does. That's what happened at the cross. The cross is about God doing something like a letter that we look at and we say, God isn't mad at me. God's not mad at me. And when we believe that, we are no longer enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. Do you understand? Because God has done something. He's written a letter, but he didn't just write a letter. He sent his son. That's what is so cool about reconciliation. That's why the good news is the good news. God tells you something, and what's our part? To believe it. And if we believe it, it begins to affect our relationship with God. It changes the way we think about him. If we believe that God says what he says, it changes our relationship. If we don't, it doesn't. The same dynamic exists. Reconciliation is real when we believe it. That's why it says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Here's the way it works. If you continue to cause good news about what God did, if you make room for that in your mind, what starts to happen, what happens when raindrops fall on the ground, it'll soften the way you think about him. It'll start to soften your heart. You will begin to understand that God is not your enemy, neither are you his, and it will begin to change the way you think and relate to him. That's if we make room for the good news of reconciliation. If we don't, then it naturally tends to harden us, and we begin to go back to the way we used to think, think by default that I'm enemies in my mind because of evil behavior. Some of you are saying, okay, yeah, that's all nice and good, reconciliation. Mike, you know, if I've read the Bible, and there's a lot of wrath in there. There's a lot of people getting whacked. So, you know, how can, oh, so this is all nice and good, so how can you say that I can believe this? If it, um, will, what will keep God from changing his mind? What will prevent God from pouring his wrath out on us? Let's talk about the guarantee. We talked about the gift, reconciliation, and the guarantee. Look what it says in Romans 5. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been justified, declared righteous or acceptable by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. When did God reconcile us? When did he take that action? When we were going to church or when we weren't? When we were doing what he wanted or when we weren't doing what he wanted us to do? It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. There's a verse, if you want to know what is the message of the Bible, it puts it in a sentence. If you were to memorize something that would give you a concise understanding of what Christmas is about, I cannot think of a better sentence than 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. Can't think of it. It just is this little sentence this is, you could memorize it in the next minute. Give it a try. What it says, 2 Corinthians 5, God was reconciling the world. Now you understand what reconciling changes the relationship, right? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting Men's sins against them. Okay. What is the, what is Christmas about? Why did he send his son? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. What is the gospel message? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. What happened at the cross? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. I bet you you could memorize that. And if you did, in a very short sentence, you will understand the message of the gospel. This is, and the message of the Bible, God was what? God was reconciling. What was God reconciling? God was reconciling the world. Who was God reconciling the world to? God was reconciling the world to himself, creating a relationship of peace and goodwill. God was reconciling the world to himself. How? In Christ. And what did that mean? Not counting men's sins against them. Do you know why God sent his son into the world? Not because he was counting sins, but because he wasn't. But because he wasn't counting our sins against him. Isn't that what it says? God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. Oftentimes I hear people from the Bible saying God was so upset by human sin that he sent his son and crucified him. That's not what this verse says. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Isn't that what it says? Not Counting. Do you know what the deal is? God set aside sins. Why? 
so that the message of reconciliation could be, I'm not mad at you. Now, here's the deal. If, as is the default thing, we're enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior, what would happen if we started to believe the message of reconciliation? What's that message? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins, your sins against you. You know what would start to happen? When you thought about God, you wouldn't think about him doing this. You know, the way we tend to think about him. Man, I can't, whoa, whoa. Tend to look at that God with a scowl. What kind of face do you imagine that God has when he thinks about you? We have a tendency, don't you? That's what it says. You know what? That's not the truth. God is not mad at you. You're saying, Mike, what if I believe that? What if you believe that? What if you believe that? Believed what? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Can you say that? Can you remember that in your mind? One more run. God was, see if you can put in the words, God was, God was reconciling, God was reconciling the world, God was reconciling the world to himself, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What? Say that last part. That's the message. Um, God reconciled us when we were enemies. If God reconciled us when we were still sinners, will he revoke reconciliation when we sin? If he extended reconciliation when we were sinners, will he withdraw it when we sin? Doesn't make sense, does it? If sin didn't keep him from giving it, it can't cause him to take it. Does that make sense? Okay, so we can turn this into a question, can't we? If God reconciled us when we were sinners, will we be saved from his wrath? If God reconciled us when we were sinners, will we be saved from his wrath? We can ask that question, can't we? Dan. If God reconciled us when we were sinners, will we be saved from his wrath? It tends to make sense, doesn't it? If he did it then, will we be saved from his wrath? Yeah, that's, so that's the guarantee. Or we can put it this way. If God reconciled us to when, while we were still enemies by the death of his son, will we be saved by his life? If he reconciled us while we were enemies and while we were still sinners, can you believe the message of reconciliation? Is there a basis? So you say, okay, Mike, so what do I do now? Um, well, it starts with understanding that that's unconditionally guaranteed. Reconciliation is unconditionally guaranteed. It was given while we were still sinners and enemies. 
it's true and reconciliation comes into play when we accept it and believe it, I'm going to encourage you to remember what happened at the cross and to make room in your thoughts for it. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Um, when we believe it, begins to change our relationship. When we don't, that's why it says, if we continue to hold firm in faith, not moved. When you hear somebody talk about how much God hates you, turn off the radio or walk out of the doors of the church. It's not what the message is. And so, oh, you know what happens during Christmas season? You know, if we don't go to church that often, next week there'll be all kinds of people. You should come because on Christmas and Easter is when we tend to come. Why should you go to church? Why, really? You know what I would suggest? And I'm a, this is a little bit of a commercial, but if there is a church that focuses on this message, go there. And if it doesn't, don't. Again, that's okay. Sure, I can stand upside and do that. So, and if you are around, and I, this is kind of a commercial, but not really. It's If you are around, come back. Because why? Because we'll talk about this all the time. And that's not a, I don't want to get your money. This is the message. It's what we're supposed to believe. And as we understand the message of reconciliation and we believe it, it changes us. Changes us. We start to think of God and we don't imagine him going. Jesse, come on up. We're going to sing a closing song. Please stand. Thanks.
I'm going to close in prayer before I do. Let me invite you to go to the back. There's some cookies and hang around, have some cookies. Um, I'll protect my little stash of cookies, so stay away from that. Yeah, hope you hope you join us. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the um, a clear expression of what you were doing when you sent your son. You were reconciling the world to yourself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Returning a or changing a relationship where we understand it as being one of enmity to one that we can understand that you're changing it to one of peace and goodwill. If we hear that and believe it, if we make room for it in our minds, not all of a sudden, it doesn't happen all at once. All of us, we tend to see you in a way that uh, we feel like your discouragement, and that's natural for us. But you have given us a clear message, and what you've said it is that we make room for that message. It changes the way we think about you and we think about how you think about us, and that's what reconciliation is about. Um, would you help us to understand what it is you came to do, help us to make room for it, and as we make room for it, um, thanks for how it changes us. In Jesus' name, amen.